بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 22nd of may in the year 2023 alhamdulillah we're beginning the fifth week the 29th night that we're going through the illustrious and exalted life of the eminent companion sayyidina abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu and i spent quite a few sessions taking a glimpse into where his blessed name is mentioned during the various campaigns during the lifetime of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and we've reached the campaign of the book ai and yesterday i mentioned why in the quran it was called saatil usra the hour of distress there were around 30000 noble souls radiyallahu ta'ala anhum in this blessed expedition amongst whom there were also a handful of hypocrites as mentioned in certain sahih ahadith so believe you or not there were some hypocrites in this campaign and their numbers were very small 8 9 10 12 but the sahih hadith mentions this and this shows how strong they were in their hypocrisy they were willing to go through all this trouble to cause further mischief Subhanallah, the training was harsh indeed. The companions were required to travel <coughs> more than 600 miles during a season of extreme heat and under conditions that were near impossible to bear. As mentioned, food and drink were exhausted and there were not even enough riding animals to carry everyone. It is safe to say that very few people today could even imagine <coughs> taking such a journey never mind actually embarking upon it so obviously you got the stats 600 miles the temperature is over you know average 45 degrees centigrade or there about food is running out water has run out so again very hard to even imagine but this was the the final campaign of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam This shows the immensity of the noble companions of our beloved Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he was thus preparing them for future campaigns that would also require exceptionally high levels of strength and fortitude. So the best way to look at it it was like a kind of a training program. This was the last campaign of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they didn't know that but this was the last campaign so Allah Taala was basically teaching the companions if you can handle this you can handle anything. The Tabuk expedition was after all the last campaign in which our beloved messenger participated sallallahu alaihi wasallam he therefore had to complete the training of his magnificent students and make sure they were ready to go on without his blessed self this final training exercise thus proved invaluable and helped prepare the companions radiyallahu ta'ala an to conquer the lands of the two superpowers of the time the persians and the romans so looking back we understand but obviously they were going through it at the time but we understand why this was taking place so abdullah ibn mas'ud radiyallahu he relates when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam left for tabuk 
whenever anyone fell behind the people would inform him Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so and so has stayed back he would reply Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam leave him if there is any good in him then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will bring him up to join you otherwise it is Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala who will have relieved you of him so obviously being a 600 mile journey to keep a track of everybody was very difficult so some were pulling back so when this was brought to the attention of the Prophet he simply said if this is good he will join us otherwise Allah has relieved you eventually somebody informed him Ya Rasulullah Abu Dhar he has fallen behind his camel having slowed him down so eventually a famous companion was mentioned to the Prophet Abu Dhar and the people even offered the excuse because his camel is very weak meaning he's not deliberately doing this Ya Rasulullah the Prophet simply responded leave him if there is any good in him then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring him up to join you. Otherwise, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will, who will have relieved you of him. So notice the Prophet didn't make an exception. Even Abu Dhar, he goes, if he's gone, he's gone. If he comes, Allah ta'ala has brought goodness in him. Abu Dhar gave his camel time to recover. But when it still moved only slowly, he took from it its equipment placed it on his own bike and then walked to be with Rasulullah so this is why he was pulling bike he thought the camel needs rest I'm pushing it too hard I'll give it you know time to recover when he realized he's not recovering he had two choices can I actually walk whatever hundreds of miles in this blistering heat with my equipment or shall I just simply head bike he decided to walk on I, Ibn Mas'ud, thereupon said, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I can see a man walking in the distance along the road. He responded, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that will be Abu Dhar. This was later confirmed. This was a miracle. So obviously people couldn't see it was a speck. But the Prophet goes, it's Abu Dhar. <laughs> and then it was confirmed. Upon this, Rasulullah remarked, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, now with an expression of love and grief, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon Abu Dhar, radiallahu He walks alone. He will die alone and he will be resurrected alone. Subhanallah. And all this eventually took place, which I'll mention at the relevant time. So this is recorded in Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 4346, Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer, 2-56-7, Kanzul Omal, number 33,232, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, page 596-7 of the New English Translation, Ibn Kathir Seerah, volume 4, page 9-10 of the English Translation, he states, the line of authorities for this is good. So, let's look at this. So the narrator is Ibn Masood. So notice again, was he next to the Prophet? You get his impression, he's right next to him. And he's telling him, sir, you know, people are saying, some people are staying behind. Abu Dhar's turn came. And then the Prophet, obviously, he must have received revelation because he's coming. But then he said something amazing. He made dua for him. And he said, he will walk alone, which you are seeing now. He will die alone, which, will, which happened. 
and he will be resurrected alone. Now what's amazing, to this very day, if you look at the image of his grave, it's the middle of nowhere. You just look, you see a huge barren flat ground, nobody around, thinking, where is this place? And this is a few rocks, because Abu Dhar's grave, Allah. And then you think, subhanAllah, even to this day, 1,400 years later or so, he's in the middle of nowhere. And we believe that nobody will go there. <laughs> because the Prophet wasallam said, he will resurrect alone, meaning there's not going to be a graveyard. Now think about that. Nobody, you get people being buried next to a sahab. <laughs> the virtues of being buried next to the pious, there's hadiths. They were able to see it for a certain number, etc., etc. Why isn't there anybody? Because the Prophet said it. Because he will resurrect alone. <laughs> So no miracles were taking place. But at the same time, how strong was Abu Dhar? You know, you got to be honest. <laughs> Even if it's a hundred miles, you know, left. We don't know what, how much miles Lidge was still left. So let's say it was a hundred miles. I'll tell you straight, hundred miles, 45, 50 degrees centigrade, walking with, with your own luggage. And they're on transport as well. And this shows that he was a very, very dear and near servant. And he was catching up as well, meaning he was supremely fit. Subhanallah, also not the intimacy Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had with our beloved Messenger during that most trying of times in which some were even falling back due to the severe hardships. So question, Ibn Mas'ud wasn't physically strong. How is he keeping up? <laughs> no, we just take him a grant, oh, he's with the Prophet. Yeah, but he's walking two thirds of the way and he himself is looking after the Prophet's, you know, he's at, you know his voodoo facilities, his, you know, He's got his belong, his own belongings, and you get this impression that he's taking it in his stride. <laughs> but notice, he's not talking about himself. <laughs> you, got, you know, the scholars point that out because look how he's not mentioning anything about himself. He's mentioned Abu Dhar. <laughs> Indeed, during this blessed expedition, another mighty soul also passed away to eternal glory. <laughs> so the reference for this. Is Abu Nu'im in his Ma'rifatul Sahaba, number 1626, Kanzul Umal, number 33,593, 37,247, Ali Isab, number 2,447, 4,807, he states, The narrators are trustworthy, but the chain has an inqita, it is broken. Al Istiab, 1-308, Asadul Ghaba, number 2928, Al Rawdul Unuf, 4-308, Uyun Al Athar, 2-262, Zad Al Ma'ad, 3-471, Ibn Hisham in his Sira, page 600 of the New English Translation, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 4, page 22 to 3 of the English Translation. So this hadith is recorded in the respected works. Abu Nu'im, who was a very famous muhaddith, rahmatullah, he wrote many works, he wrote Al Hilya, but he wrote a work called Ma'rifatul Sahab, and that translates the the um, illumination with regards to the companions, meaning to learn about them. <laughs> He's recorded it, it's mentioned in Kanzul Omal, but Ibn Hajar Askalani in his work Al-Isab, he said it is a solid chain, but there's an inqita, meaning there's a person who could not have heard from another, there's a break in the chain somewhere, so there's a slight weakness. Whatever the case, is recorded. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, he said, Radiallahu. I stood in the middle of the night to pray alone when I was with Rasulullah during the campaign of Tabuk. To stop in the report. What's he doing? <laughs> so you'd expect at night, collapse, go to sleep. 
He drink that juice. He goes middle of the night praying myself, and look how interesting. He wanted a quiet place, thirty thousand people. You got to find, got to probably move out. And he goes during the campaign of the book. But I suddenly noticed a light produced from a fire. It was coming from the direction of the main army. So this indicates he'd gone away. But then he, he thought, "There's a fire. What's this fire?" Curious, I just followed the light to see what it was, and I found it to be no other than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Abu Bakr and Umar. So you know the greatest and his two successors, Abdullah Zu Al Bijadin Al Muzni, Radiyallahu had passed away, and they had dug a grave for him. Rasulullah was in the grave, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whilst Abu Bakr and Umar, radiyallahu were lowering the body to him. So think about this: could there could there be a greater send-off? So Rasulullah's in the grave. Imagine, so he's probably dug the grave, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The two sheikhs are passing this body of this uh, companion to him. As they did so, Rasulullah said, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Lower down your brother close to me. They did. When he had placed him in the position into the lahad, the niche, Rasulullah made the following du'a. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Oh Lord, Subhanahu wa Taala, I am pleased with him. You also, therefore, be pleased with him. Abdullah would thereupon frequently say, Oh, how I wish. That lonely grave could have been my own, <laughs> and he then wept. <laughs> so let's look at this. So he sees a fire. He rushes to the spot, and it's basically a, is is burying a mujahid. So why didn't the Prophet alert us? So this shows it was a very trying time. They were probably exhausted, sleeping. He didn't want to trouble. Them. So Bo, who was with him, the two sheikhs. And this companion passed away, middle of nowhere. Imagine where his grave is. And Ibn Mas'ud, despite his own excellences, when he heard that du'a, "Oh Lord, I am pleased with him. You also be pleased with him." He goes, "Oh how I wish, I was the person of that lonely grave." Now think about that. Do we know where his grave is now? Scholars not sure. Does it matter? No, because <laughs> the Prophet made a du'a. So the Lord is. And Ibn Masud said, "Why couldn't that have been me?" Lord <laughs> Subhanallah, our beloved Messenger, so the Lord is. Did not want to trouble any of the blessed Mujahideen, for they were all obviously exhausted from the long march, coupled with their intense hunger and thirst. But Allahu Akbar, despite this. The two venerable sheikhs were there with him to lay to rest one of their sincere, beloved, and priceless brothers. Subhanallah! How many those can boast of the unique and priceless privilege that no other than the greatest of creation, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the two greatest men after the prophets and messengers have laid them to rest. Such was the gargantuan honor given to the most deserving and honorable companion. Sayyidina Zu al Bijadain, radiyallahu. It is no wonder then that the majestic Abdullah ibn Masud, radiyallahu, despite his own unending virtues, 
wanted so much to have been that most fortunate man. So note again, Ibn Masood is shielding his own virtues. He's not mentioning anything about himself. And he's only mentioning other people. Abu Dhar, Zu al-Bijadayn, radiyallahu. So what do we know about this Sahab? If this is all you knew, that's enough. But it's a bit sad not to know anything about him, except his death. <laughs> it's when he goes, what a great person. Subhanallah, what do you know about him? Look at the send-off. MashaAllah, but what do you know about him? So let's learn a little bit about him. First of all, not much is known about him. However, Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, page 600 of the English translation, Ibn Kathir Seerah, volume 4, page 23 of the English translation, Ibn Hisham said, Rahmatullah the reason he was known as Zu al-Bijadain, which translates, the one of the two pieces of cloth, is because every time he wanted to embrace Islam, his family hindered him and made life intolerable for him, so much that they left him in one heavy coarse mantle with nothing over him other than this. He then fled from them to Rasulullah and a short distance before he reached him, he cut his heavy coarse mantle into two pieces, used one as a waist wrapper and the other as a shirt. He then went to Rasulullah and became known as Zu al-Bijadin, the one of the two pieces of cloth. <laughs> so this is his kunyat or his ajnam. Why was his people not wanting him to embrace Islam? Because they were Muslims. Because no, don't follow him, etc, etc. So they made life intolerable for him. And they actually, report mentions, they kind of imprisoned him. But he managed to escape with the shirt on his bike. And when he went, he didn't want to go to the Prophet in a kind of a dirty state. So he managed to somehow make his long shirt into two pieces. <laughs> To, so that he come presentable to the Prophet and the Prophet said the one with the two pieces what else do we know about another priceless fact we know of this venerable companion is that he was amongst the elite known as Al-Awah so what is what's this in Hakim in his Mustadrak number 1361 Sahih Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman number 581 Zayd ibn Aslam relates from a Sahaba who said, I once went out with Rasulullah one night and we passed a man in the masjid uttering vikr in a raised voice. I thereupon said, Ya Rasulullah is it possible he is showing off? The Prophet said, La walakinnahu awah no, rather he is an enraptured supplicant, meaning he's lost in his zikr. So let's look at this. So he's in Masjid in Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's the middle of the night, meaning he's by himself. And his zikr is loud. So that's strange. Why during the night people are resting? So the Sahaba thought, oh, this must be a kind, is it, maybe he's kind of a riyah, maybe the showing off taking place. The Prophet goes, no, he's just lost in his zikr. But what word did he use? Awah, the enraptured supplicant. Clarifying further, Sayyidina Uqba radiyallahu said, there was a man called Zu al-Bijadain radiyallahu about whom Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, innahu awah, he is an enraptured supplicant 
And that was because he would perform the dhikr of Allah aloud. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad 4-159, Tabarani in his Kabir 17-295, Behaki in his Shu'abul Iman number 508, Al-Haythami in Majma Az-Zawaid 9-369 states Hassan. So he was called Awah by Rasulullah, meaning we can't give that title. Only the one who knows the hearts can. And Allah revealed to his beloved, he is Awah. He's an enraptured supplicant. So now what does that mean? Awah. Awah is a most comprehensive word. It incorporates many meanings. So nine are mentioned. Number one. The solid, unswerving supplicant. The solid, unswerving supplicant. Meaning he's, you know, he's focused in his zikr and in his supplications. Number two, second meaning. Relentless supplicant. He's always making dua. Number three, enraptured supplicant and rememberer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's lost in his supplications and he's literally lost in his dhikr. Number four, the one who utters dhikr aloud, you know, audibly. Number five, the one whose heart is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, that's why he loves dhikr, because he wants to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number six, the devoted lone worshipper. He likes to be by himself. Number seven, the one with certitude, absolute yakin. Number eight, the learned, the wise. He has a great knowledge of the deen. Number nine, the one who is compassionate and merciful to others. So all of that is what Rasulullah called me. <laughs> Subhanallah, such indeed was also no other than Abu Bakr Siddiq For Ali who called Abu Bakr Awah, referred to Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat 3-170. But we should not find this strange. Why? Because Ibrahim Rasulullah likened Abu Bakr to Ibrahim And what does Allah the Almighty and Glorious say about his Khalil? In Surah Tawbah, Surah 9, verse 114, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Rajim, Verily Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wa salam, was awahun and forbearing. <laughs> so in such a beautiful trait, Allah ta'ala described his khalil with that trait. He goes, he is awah, he is uh, all of the meanings which I've mentioned and the forbearing. So Abu Bakr, Ali called Abu Bakr Awah. It is also very significant that our beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, himself had given this title to one of his wives, our beloved mother, Sayyida Zainab bin Jahsh. But he used the feminine, Al Awaha, as recorded in Abu Nu'im 2 52 to 3. Al-Istiyab 4-1852 Zahabi in Isiyad 2-217 and others. So why is this important? It's not exclusively for Dhu al-Bijadin. He was called this by the Prophet. Undoubtedly he is. But Abu Bakr was called that. And also our mother Zainab bin Jahsh So this is a very high maqam. And Allah Ta'ala has graciously given it to a few noble souls. And this man was one of them, whom the Prophet buried, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
We also beg Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for such priceless bounties from His unending treasures. Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all these noble souls and forgive us all for their undoubted sake. Ameen. So now think about it. He dies in the path of Allah. <laughs> Can there be a greater death? <laughs> and he didn't have to live to see the Prophet pass away. <laughs> that Allah, Allah spared him. So it looks like Allah wanted to take him at the most auspicious time. And to crown it off, who did his burial arrangements? Rasulullah <laughs> and the two sheikhs. So you got the greatest of creation. You got another Awwa. And you got the one whom Shaitan runs legs it from. <laughs> who's doing the burial arrangements for another Allah. And what did Ibn Masood humbly say? Oh, how I wish I was that one buried there because of the Prophet's du'a for him. So note that book is a very interesting campaign because the journey itself, many interesting things were taking place. But who was describing those events? The great Ibn Masood. And you notice he was there right with the Prophet and there's another report, I'll mention it very briefly. It's recorded by Hafiz Waqidi in his Maghazi. Hafiz Waqidi is fatally weak in Hadith. But when it comes to the expeditions, he's reliable. So he's mentioning something about the book. And then I'm summarizing the report. There was a, a, a female dog. And it had just given birth. So the Prophet actually deputized the companion to protect that dog. As the 30,000 were going past. So the scholars say, look at his compassion. <laughs> you got 30,000 men, imagine, you know, people, you know, complain. Noise, problems, litter, this, that, the other. He was concerned even over a dog that had given birth. <laughs> so imagine, Sahaba looking, what's he doing? He's, he's protecting the dog who's given birth. <laughs> so this is part of the Rahmah of the Prophet. And that's the sign of Nabooth. <laughs> He's winning a campaign and at the same time he's protecting a lonely dog that just given birth. SubhanAllah. And all of this was taking place in this last glorious campaign of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Are there any questions you want to ask? SubhanAllah bihamdi ismarika Allahumma bihamdika ishtu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika tuba laika wa dhubillahi minna shaitan jim subhanAllah rabbika rabbil izzati amma yisifun assalamu alayhi wa mursaleem alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahi rahman alayhim wal asr al-insan rafi khusr al-ladhina amanu wa amilu al-salihat wa asr al-haq wa asr al-sabr sallakallahu alayhi wa sallam